Thank you, Craig, for doing this interview. It was a great experience for us as a podcast. Um, it's a great interview as well. Um, unfortunately, we did have some technical difficulties with the audio, so you might hear a few cracks here and there, but you can still hear the conversation, so just enjoy. Um, so in 2019 to 2020, over three quarters of fires on grasslands, woodland and crops were started deliberately. What do you think that is? Our, our data in, so that's Welsh data, yeah? Yeah, and yes. our data in South Wales Fire Service, we're, we're about 96% of our fires were started oh, wow. deliberately, so it's higher again, yeah? Mm. And why do I think it is? Uh, I, don't really, I don't really know why we have so much arson in the South Wales Valleys, um, but we get it with not just wildfires, we get it with refuse fires, we, we get it with derelict buildings. There is an arson problem. Why that is, I do not know, but it needs a lot more research. We need to understand. But not only that, we we need to understand who's lighting the fires. Because like I explained to you earlier, people assume it's children with matches. And just because children appear when we turn up in a fire engine, I think it's unfair to associate all of the fires with children. Yes, there are children who light fires. We're aware of that. But there are also adults who light fires. And some of these fires we get in remote locations in the middle of the night when it's freezing cold and it's pitch black dark that is not young children lighting these fires so Oops. um so over half the grassland woodland and crop fires in 2019 2020 occurred in the months of april and may uh, 2019 met office weather data shows some of the highest levels of sunshine and lowest levels of rainfall occurred in these months um don't you think that this shows that people should be aware that wildfires can be caused by heat, not only in places like California, but also in Wales? Yeah, definitely. What, what people need to understand, because you see the fires in Australia, you see the fires in California, you see the fires in Spain, they happen in the summer. Our wildfire season is different. What we are seeing is the, the dead vegetation that's been growing the year before, because all these fuels on the mountain, I call them fuels, a vegetation, our annual fuel. So when you see the fires we're having in March, April, May, they're the dead vegetation burning. This isn't forests burning because the forest is still quite wet. That's later on. So what generally happens, because they are our sunniest months, as you stated, and they dry, they windy, we then get big fires because that's the, that's the dead vegetation burning. But there's definitely a link, obviously, between sunshine and fire, the same as there's a definite link between poor weather, bad weather, less fires. Yeah, and do you think they should get more coverage um, on the news, uh, the ones in Wales? I think that um, people are slowly becoming more aware of it. People are understanding the risk more, which they didn't used to. I think that's down to social media and just the general people talking about these things and seeing photos on social media. And um, we have done a lot of work and, and education, going to, to all sorts of organisations to educate people. But yeah, they... I think people do need to understand the risks from these fires, not just from when the fires are burning, but the long-term health effects and the long-term impacts these fires can have on our communities. Um, can I quickly ask a question relating to his question? Yeah. Um, so, for example, if it was a sunny year, for example, hasn't uh, wasn't 2020 like one of the sunniest years on record? So would like would it spike in years that? Are Generally, it does yeah. So for us, we 
as I said, we get our our fire season is definitely getting longer. Our fires used to be, I think April is our busiest month, as you, you stated, and March and also um, May. They're, they're very busy months for wildfires. And because generally the vegetation is still dead, the new growth hasn't started growing. And that's when we get our fires. Now, in 2018, we had a really wet spring and it, it, we didn't have very many fires at all up until May. But when we got into May and then June and July, in July, we had a thousand wildfires. Now the risk to ask with that is that these fires, they green up. So when you get a fire, and this is why landowners sometimes burn their land, you get a fire, it removes the dead vegetation, and then the landscape greens up, so it goes green again, you get the new grasses grow through, the bracken grows through. When you get the same sort of fires, but you're getting them late in the summer, you're not then getting that green up. And because we, the areas we live in with the steep valley slides and sides, and the amount of rainfall we get, and they can then cause erosion issues, which causes runoff into the rivers and pollution issues and, and everything else associated with that, which is what they do see in America and Spain and Australia. So when they have big wildfire seasons, they also then get landslides and everything associated with it. So there's something else that we need to start planning for. Uh, in 2019 to 2021, of the 10,585 fires atten attended in Wales, 2,189, or 21% of the previous number, occurred on grassland, woodland and crops. That was a large number of fires. So what do you think should be done to stop more wildfires in Wales? So, we need to manage the vegetation. So, this is where this starts getting a little bit more complex now and you go, and to understand it. We, if, we, if we had a, a magic wand, and we could stop people lighting fires tomorrow. In 20 years time, you just said we had um, 2,000 wildfires in a year. Uh, well, yeah. 10,000 yeah. wildfires in a year. Oh, there you go. 2,000 of those, so, uh, those occurred on grassland, woodland and yeah. crops. So across South Wales, in the last 20 years, we've had 76,000 fires. So everybody, everybody thinks we need to stop having fires. It's right, we've we got to stop people just willy-nilly lighting fires everywhere. But also what we've got to understand is this vegetation will grow and grow and grow and build up. So the risk will increase. So for every fire we stop burning, we need to do something to manage the vegetation build up. And that's some of the projects we've been involved in at South Wales Fire Service. There's a group called the Healthy Hillsides, which is a Welsh government funded project where we've now got a cutter. We go out cutting fire breaks. We use fire to, to um, we use fire not only to fight fire, but before even the fire season comes, we are out burning fire breaks across our landscapes because the idea of that is we won't get such big fires. So, so. fire exclusion, it sounds it sounds really good to stop people lighting fires, and yes, we, we do need to stop lighting fires, but we can't, that's just one part of it. We've still got to manage the vegetation. That's the only bit we can control because we can't control the weather and we know the weather's changing. We can't control the arsonists because we've tried and it, we struggle and even if we could reduce ignitions by 50 percent we're still going to get fires yeah. but what we can manage is the vegetation by getting people to have fire management plans working with nrw who are planting our forestries and working with all different parts of the community and landowners to get them to understand fire is a problem because the, the problem with this is fire is everybody's problem it's only my problem when i'm on the fire it's everybody's problem because we are breathing in our smoke and we, we, we need to get people to understand these problems. Okay, so we, did you say earlier in that sentence that you fight fire with fire? Yeah. Essentially? Yeah. So
fires. We can't just have people in our communities lighting fires, but but then we as a fire service understand that um, the, the vegetation is a risk. So we need to work with our partners, work with our government, and work with NRW and landowners to make sure that we are reducing the risk that way. Because like I said, if we eradicate fire, the vegetation is still there. But it is really important we educate people, we go into schools, we do lots of different projects and try to educate people. And we. And I know I said that it's not all children, I, I don't believe it is, this is my opinion, I don't believe it's all children, but if we start with children and we educate, as you grow up, you will understand it's wrong, so maybe as adults then, adults won't be lighting fires. So this is why we target children for our main education, but I wouldn't associate all children with lighting fires. Talk to someone in power about um, wildfires. What would you tell them about, or what would you ask them to do? I think we we need to start taking it a little bit more seriously. We've had seventy-six thousand fires in twenty years. We haven't lost one house, and we haven't lost any lives, and we haven't had any real serious injuries. Firefighters get injured because of the train we're working on, but these are nuisance fires yes they, they destroy habitats wildlife habitats they do um, nest in birds etc but these are nuisance fires it means the fire engines are not in the fire station so when people get property fires we're delayed but these are nuisance fires what's going to change with climate change and the more vegetation they, they're saying we're going to get better growing seasons so what's going to happen we're going to have more vegetation more risk so we need to start taking this seriously, we need to start planning now and with educating that, not only our public but training our firefighters ready for the future because in 20 years time these fires, and I'm very fortunate, I've worked in Portugal, I've worked in Spain, I went to fight the fires in Greece last year, I've seen real wildfires and that's what could be coming to the UK. So when you have to respond to a wildfire, is there like no one back here, so if there's a fire in a house down there, would you not, and it was burning down the house, would you all be up there? Or? Potentially, yes. We, we'd obviously, we um, we always have resilience. So there's two fire engines on this fire station. Uh, so the first one goes out to the wildfire, the second one is then available. If there's another wildfire, the second fire engine goes up, but we do standby moves. So we're always trying our best to protect our community. But rather than getting a fire engine in three minutes, it may take ten. Oh. So there obviously is a risk. Sorry, can I, did you say that in 76,000 fires there hasn't been a single building burned down? Not a, not a house. The, we sheds, built, like Shed. outbuildings, damaged, but no, it's not like uh, like you see in Spain and no. California and Greece where houses are getting destroyed, no. Have there been any human injuries from Injuries, yes, but mostly either smoke inhalation oh, or right. burns. And we have firefighters, we regularly have firefighters injured, whether that's burns or... Uh, lower limb injuries, falling over, twisting ankles. As you said, uh, we could maybe see um, wildfires like in Greece come to Britain. Do you think we'd then potentially see buildings and people getting hurt a lot worse? Yeah, I believe so, yeah. If, if the climate change models, and only yesterday they, they're predicting a three, three degree increase, in, and whenever, whenever that is, but yeah, these fires are definitely changing. We, we, we've lowered the amount of fires we get in, but subsequently now we are getting bigger fires.
What do you feel like when you have to respond to a deliberate fire? Like what? And what does yeah, that so make you feel angry? It's really frustrating because we are we're firefighters and we're in the fire station ready to respond to, to save life, to save our to protect our community. And when we're up on the hillsides for day after day, we're not there to protect the community. So we're not doing our other work we do. We're not in people's houses fitting smoke alarms or in your schools educating you about the risks of fire, not just wildfire, but that could be house home safety, road traffic accidents, all of these things. And the more we do that, the more we can reduce risk in our communities. When we're up the mountain, not only are we at risk, but our communities are at risk. So it is frustrating. Um, so do you have any, when you, as, as I said already, um, when you come into school, do you have any bits of that where, where you talk about wildfires? Yeah, so we, we visit every school in South Wales we visited at um, Key Stage 1 and Key Stage 2. We, we teach about home safety, but we also talk, especially in the valleys, we talk about the wildfire risk. And about the main message is a fire engine cannot be in two places at once. So whether that's a rubbish fire, or a, a wildfire, grass fire, or even a hoax call, that fire engine needs to be in a fire station ready for when someone really needs it. What do you plan on doing differently when tackling wildfires in the future if they get more regular and extreme? So, I'm a, I'm a firefighter in South Wales. I'm also a UK wildfire tackle advisor. So I go to incidents across the UK and as I said, I went to Greece last year and fought fires. I'm, I'm trained in how to fight fires and now I train people in how to fight fires. So we, within South Wales, we have ATV vehicles. We have fogging units, which are high press, like a pressure washer, on these small vehicles so we can get into off-road situations and fight the fires. We use leaf blowers to blow out the flames. We, we use drip torches to light fires in front of the fires. And we have all these different tools and techniques that we can use to fight these fires. So we are in a good place, but we just need to get, get ready and keep training towards this because the risk, the risk isn't going to go away. Thank you.